and as much as you want to talk about IFS, I love that stuff. But, uh, so, and the listeners yeah. have heard me talk about that a lot from an armchair perspective. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good. Well, um, I am all about IFS. My whole life is kind of IFS. Um, so I definitely will be bringing that in. And I, talk, I do get the concept of should and are, and I have a lot of parts with a lot of opinions about that. Cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you, you know, even if sometimes um, I've had interviews that, you know, maybe didn't go the way I thought they would, but I always get something out of it. And I, and I feel like um, it's at least of some value to the, the guests. <laughs> Hopefully it will be too. But yeah, I mean, if so, yeah, if you could start with sort of like what you said, you've got a big background in IFS or, you know, it can be as much of some, some people come on and it's sort of a, just a promotion for them. You know, they're seeking new clients or they've got a book or, or whatever, and uh, other people just want to talk. Um, mm-hmm. So you can do any of that. Okay, great. <laughs> the floor well, is I, yours. I probably have a bit of both, but um, mostly I was thinking about the should and are. So, yeah, all right, let me tell you a little bit about myself then. So, awesome. um, yeah. So it's a big question and I'm not really sure to be, where to begin. And, and just to tell you, you've given me such a, a wide berth. Now all my parts are like telling me all the things they want me to say so <laughs> it's like oh, okay well. <laughs> yeah so I suppose um first let me tell you that I was really excited to do this podcast because one of the really big sort of values inside of my system is about um vulnerability and leading with vulnerability and um and so for me the idea that we should be in self that we're supposed to be you know like in the ifs world we're supposed to get healed enough that we kind of get our parts in check a little bit and we should be you know something be more self-led and all the rest and um and i'm going to tell you more about me in a second but just to tell you this little piece about why i was excited to do the podcast is that um um i think that when people hear that piece that you know like oh i should be in self i should be in self well then they end up in parts because they darn well should be in self and so they end up kind of with a part going i'm in self you know and it's a really big trap when we're therapists especially right because you know our clients can sniff out when we're in a part but if we darn well should be in self well then we're going to be defending what we were so um, for me, the piece that's exciting about your podcast is sort of dovetails into this really core cool value I have about authenticity, about mutual vulnerability in relationship, as well as, you know, I'm a leader. I am one of, I'm a very small leader in the IFS world. I don't want to put myself out there like I'm Dick Schwartz or one of the trainers or anything like that, but I have my own following, you know. Awesome. I have some folks who are interested in my work. Um, I'm starting I'm in the process. We haven't even got through ethics, so I have to be careful how I speak about it, but um, I've been approached by a researcher at the University of California, San Francisco, to do some research on IFS and people who experience not ordinary states, which is one of my, one of my specialties. I'm very interested in... Um, in uh really like um i was going to say relational lack of achievement slash complex trauma you know whatever labels you want to put on that um those kind of like i had significant neglect in my childhood as well as layers of abuse but the neglect feels the difficult piece Mm -hmm. for me um i mean the abuse is difficult i want to minimize that but i'm saying the neglect was um very debilitating um so for me i i come to being a therapist from a place of um i've done 
a lion's share of my work with people who get diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and I've done a, a, also a large portion with people who end up with a diagnosis of psychosis or schizophrenia and I love that work. It's easy for me to be in there. It's not a hard thing for me. So anyway, I'm doing this research. So I, I kind of, and the researcher um, in Whitmarsh who he contacted me and I, I sort of had said to him, I'm not your person. I'm too busy and, you know, I, I don't have three decades of working with IFS and psychosis. You need to go find someone else. And he said, no, I've been following you and I want to work with you because of your what you bring to the way you speak about working with this population is about mutual vulnerability. So the research is hopefully going to have a, my flavour to it, which is lovely. It's going to actually honour something deeply held in my system, um, as well as actually interviewing a lot of clients and therapists about what their experiences have been of how IFS has helped them. And just to quickly tell you one more piece about that um, is that, um, you know, since I've been using IFS with that population, um, the, the work is a lot faster than anything I've done in previous modalities with people who get diagnosed with um, either borderline or psychosis slash schizophrenia. So um, so that's exciting. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, but I haven't finished really telling you about me, and I, I feel like I have. I've told you a whole bunch of things, but I probably have parts who'd love to tell you a little factual things, if that's all right. Absolutely. That okay. was great. There's a lot I'd like to go through in there too, but please. Yeah, we'll circle back to some of that. But just to say, um, yeah, I think I, what I want to say to you is that, you know, I've already touched on my trauma history, which is so important for me to bring into the space. You know, I, I grew up in a family with um, um, so much, so many layers and multiple abusers, you know, like inside the family, outside the family, you know, um, parents and non-parents who were also carers of me um, and um, and various things like that. So it's been a really tricky ride for me in my adult life. But I, I'm also someone who's pretty lucky because I met my husband, who I still am married to, like when I was 15. And, yeah, so, so I kind of lucked up is I don't know what the term is for that but um I got really lucky and um it's been bloody hard work you know two little kids from abused families trying to make it work together you know it's been a a lot of hard work and we, we had a wedding anniversary yesterday 33 years oh congratulations um, <laughs> and um every anniversary we go like oh my god can you believe we got here like wow um, <laughs> Well, shared, shared trauma is kind of special, you know, if you're yeah. similar like that. So anyway, um, and I have two kids and I, I spent a lot of years homeschooling. So that was another piece that's really important about my journey is that um, I really wanted to protect them from layers of things that, that I had experienced. And, and being me, because I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is something I'm also interested in, um, I can't do anything in halves. So I was very involved in the homeschooling community. I ran camps, multiple groups a week, and very there's a huge homeschooling community in South Australia where I live. So, um, so that was just that was like 15 years of my life that I lived in this like bubble of love, and my kids were raised <laughs> wow. in like five. You know, it was, yeah. it was an experience that I don't want to not speak for. So anyway. That's me. I'm a therapist in private practice. I have a, st a team of staff that um, 
I supervise and because like my books are full and and I was pretty disheartened with the amount of people who came into IFS and did the trainings and did no personal work and no supervision. And so I started in Australia. We're a fledgling <laughs> community here, you know, the IFS community, I mean. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we have like less than a tenth of a population of America as, as a general population. And then on top of that we have, um, I'm going to stop talking in a second. We have, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's your part talking <laughs> yeah it is that is my parts talking yeah my shoot parts right i shouldn't talk so much um but i am actually a really talky person so i want to say that um we have australia's only really had ifs for about five years so we're oh, fledgling wow. here and um there are people doing their own work i'm not saying there aren't but um it was disheartening to me i, I wanted to put together a directory um, in Australia of all the people who'd gone through level one here and then any other trainings and really have it as a, a um, offering to clients looking for someone mm-hmm. so they could see not just someone who'd done a level but what had they other what other things how much supervision had they done how much personal work and what other trainings had they done in the IFS model because IFS is such a unique modality you can't really just you know I've done all kinds of other trainings it doesn't it does inform my work I'm grateful for those trainings, but I needed to really immerse myself in the IFS to really be an effective IFS therapist because it's a different way. You're just dabbling in the unconscious world, you know, essentially, you know, you're in deep, deep, deep places and you can't just pop out into CBT once you're in there, you know. Right. It's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, so I wanted to create a directory and in the process of that I interviewed all these people and they were all going, oh, well, yeah, I did level one and I haven't done any IFS supervision, but I've done, I have another supervisor, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, my parts really got up. They really got distressed. And I just went, I can't, I can't do a a directory because it's too distressing. And even the people who were quote unquote doing their work would come to me and say, well, I had 10 sessions. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So anyway, so I have built a team of people who the the point of difference in my practice is all my team have to have a minimum sort of 100 hours of personal work. They have to have done, and personal like in the client chair is what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And with an IFS therapist, not just another modality. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also have to have extensive supervision and they have to be doing additional trainings all the time. So anyway, that's me and that's kind of, that's where I sit in the world. Um, you know, I'm married. I have two kids still at home and um, don't want to leave the nest, which is fine because housing is expensive. And I run this beautiful little practice. So, and I do it, yeah. trainings. Just, I also do trainings, which I'm just going to finish with my, this is Stephanie, wrap. Um, I offer trainings both um, an IFS in skills immersion for people who are interested um, just because people can't get into a level one. Um, you know, there's like a two or three year wait list. I think it's a lottery. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like 15,000 people on the U S um, last time they, last time they kind of, every time they do the lottery, there's about 15,000 people put their names forward for like 30 places. So that's amazing. So I do a skills training and I do a psychosis training um, as well, because there's no one teaching that. Well, that's right. All is just amazing. Like one, so one of the things, related to that that you mentioned is i can't remember the phrase that you used um it was early on in what you were talking about sort of a not you didn't say psychosis but an experience that's very um i don't know it made me think sort of 
non-ordinary states. Yeah, like a non-ordinary. So I I told my so my I have a coach, a therapist, and I don't I'm not sure of his background, but he's done a lot of other. Um, he's not um like here. It's kind of like you can get like a master's of social work, or you might be a PhD psychologist, and some of those people go on to get IFS training. And he's not that, but he's also not. I mean, he's had a lot of firsthand experience and I get a lot out of it, but he's, I, I told him what I got out of IFS and I've only known about it. I didn't know what we were doing for the first six months. And then I finally was like, why do you keep saying IFS? What does that mean? And so maybe six months ago I started and I almost intentionally stopped myself and said, you know, I don't, I'm a scientist by training. So I don't need to know how this works. I don't need to understand and analyze it. I'm just going to experience it because this, this is a new thing for me, the somatic. And I told him, I said, this is why I wanted to do psychedelic drugs. This is why I try, I would smoke marijuana for 10 years and tried LSD and all these other things looking for how you just made me feel or how I just felt. I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. I'm, I, I, and I find myself wanting to do what you do. And he does like that because it's so amazing. I mean, I tell my wife and, and so I'm very honored to be with someone who I didn't realize you were, you know, a, a big part of IFS. I mean, I don't know the difference between somebody who just does it and somebody who's an influential person in the field. Cause I try not to pay attention to that stuff. And it also really excites me that you would be doing research because as a researcher, and I always go back and say, I wish I would have gotten, a psychology PhD, a philosophy PhD, something that would have given me the credentials to leverage into this world as a, you know, an analyst or uh, participating. I'm just, and, and, and all, all that just to say, I'm really happy to know that that kind of work is, is happening and that there's somebody um, sort of regulating the, I don't want to use the word credentials, um, but maybe, maybe that's the right word, but sort of authority that people have because what I see in the U.S. is a whole lot of life coaches that may have that, that are like 25 years old that may not have any experience in anything getting the IFS training. And then and so I'm always scratching my head going, how, how does that work? And I'll, the last thing I'll say is I just had a the last last time I met with my coach, which is about a year in, I had an experience that um m- made me fully appreciate the idea that you don't want amateurs <laughs> something else you said about sort of getting into um, the subconscious and i realized instantly that I, I, you I, I accessed something that i had never thought possible right and i was really happy to be with someone that knew what was going on <laughs> that was able to access self and sort of help me through what i experienced which is also really exciting you know, yeah. all, all that to say, I think it's really neat. <laughs> well, and it's, uh, as a, I, I'm a, you know, I, I, I feel like this is like a confession, but you're the perfect person to confess to. I was an, an analytical person, science, and I never, I don't think I was, but science turned me into that. And so I'm sort of on this mission, maybe similar to yours to sort of unscience <laughs> the world, um, in fact, I'm I'm working on an article right now uh, that sort of says, I don't want to say science has run its course, but you know, science has answered all the questions it can answer. It's time mm-hmm. for a new tool, and and people like you, I think, are sort of you have to be 
picking up when I'm laying down, right? Yeah. Does that ring? Does that resonate with uh, you? Yeah, the idea I mean, that science is course i'm totally with you on that <laughs> i'm not saying science has run its course we had all my parts going yes it has okay um, well yeah that's great i mean this is a new again very new for me so if you've thought about this before i'd love to hear your thoughts on oh only just why. i suppose what i what i mean by that is um i think there's a lot of things that that are pitched as science and my friend david stone talks about us being science scientistic you know, everything gets put under like, you know, um, oh, this is a research that, you know, but, you know, so much of it is influenced by bias and what gets called science, oh, yeah. not necessarily <laughs> science, and, and science has become a new religion and so everything, it's like, um, you know, we all have common sense, we all have knowings, we all have things that are within us that are completely discounted and I'm going to go one step even further and say by male-dominated society, okay. I'm with you there too. Yeah, so it's kind of like we've ended up in a place where patriarchy and the male-dominated way of thinking is um, the gold standard, you know, and the ways of knowing that are intrinsic to every one of us don't count. And so, you know, um, I just I think there's so many places that, you know, even even therapy, we've tried to quantify something that, you know, Carl Rogers just knew. He was like, oh, I just seem to be with my clients. And the more I accept about myself, the more that opens up in the space between the two of us and the person changes. And I don't really know that how that happens. Let's try and figure it out. Mm. And it's like just it's just a knowing and a beingness. So anyway, that's why I think. Um, I think there is still a place for research. Of course, I'm about to do some. Um, well, but, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, the, but, but you're the perfect person to do that, <laughs> right? With the right attitude, you know, and uh, talk about unbiased. I mean, going into the research project, believing that there are weaknesses and, you know, biases and things you're bringing. And so you're aware of those things, right? And so you will do it. Uh, I, I actually... But the first therapist I sort of really connected with, he was a, a PhD psychologist and we bonded pretty strongly over the PhD thing. And I said something basically sympathizing with him because I studied ecology, the, the earth, things at very big spatial scales. And so we broke all the rules of statistics. We, nothing that we did was actually like you were kind of alluding to. It wasn't science had all these statistical problems. It failed all the assumptions. And so many people said, that's not science. And so I could sympathize with him because many people would say psychology was not science, especially now that neuroscience is a thing. You know, we study the brain, you study the mind. <laughs> That's not a thing. And so we actually, we became such good friends. I had to stop seeing it, <laughs> but I, I think that's great. I think that you have the perfect attitude. And I, and I feel like uh, I've sort of earned the right to beat up on science as much as I want to, because, you know, I used to do that. <laughs> That's right. It's nice. It's nice to be in that place, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's the best. It's the best. But 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 it's frustrating, and my because that part of me, the the analytical part, you know, I, I can see why people resist IFS and to, to blow the metaphor up. I mean, I can see why males resist anything mystical or any, whatever you want to call it, or we don't have, we don't have language for this stuff, you know, anything somatic, anything emotional. I can see 
vulnerable. I, I, I get it. I can sympathize with why it's uh, there's a resistance, but I also would argue that it's the, that resistance is the cause of, and I'll go out on that limb, all of our problems, <laughs> climate change, war, racism, sexism, you know, you name it. It, uh, And so, uh, I, I mean, maybe you can speak on this. These are just ideas I'm throwing out. Uh, this is sort of a gateway into a complete human existence by letting go of science. We get, we got it. We got it. It's good. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's not going to go anywhere. It's in there. What about what other tools need to be in there to complete the toolbox? Yeah. I mean, my, my healing is limited by analytical things. I, I had CBT for 10 years. I got it. I could probably write a book about it. But it never changed anything. (laughs) And as you're speaking, what's coming to me is just that, you know, we, you know, I think it's Jung and I can't remember, Carl Jung, and I can't remember his exact quote. But, um, yeah, you know, he speaks about the fact that healing only comes through the, through the emotions. We, you know, and as I said, that's not his quote. That's just my paraphrase. But we can't think our way out of our problems. If we could, we could all go to the psychologist and do 12 sessions of CBT and go, oh, my gosh, thank goodness for CBT. But it doesn't work, right? Deep and lasting healing. And I've done 10 years of talk therapy. I've never done CBT because uh, my parts was sort of um, too emotional. You know, CBT just mm-hmm. felt like arguing with my therapist and my therapist winning, you know. And oh, yeah. um yeah, it's like you just need to think differently. Oh, actually, well, I don't think differently. So what am I supposed to do then? Just think differently. And it's like, uh, that doesn't really help me. I feel really ashamed, actually. Um, yeah. So um, so I'm lucky I had four years of emotionally focused therapy, which is really kind of family of origin work um, in my 20s. And then I took a long break to um, homeschool my kids. I didn't really feel I could give them the best of me while I was in therapy, and which is, you know, in some ways I wish I, I hadn't chosen that path, but I did. Um, I, I had a really big burden that I wasn't going to be like my mother who was emotionally unavailable to my children. Um, so uh, partly uh, I should clarify that. I should at least, um, what's the word for it? I should be more careful about what I say. It wasn't a clear decision. I'd moved into state and I couldn't find a new therapist. And in the process of being the frustration of going to many, I decided, no, actually, this is probably the best thing. I'll just spend the rest of these homeschooling years, um, without doing therapy for now. I felt good enough. Um, but I also had to take an antidepressant for that time, you know, it was like I was really in a bad way because, you know, I hadn't finished my work. Then I did another four years. I did um, just some years of um, transactional analysis and then um, which is parts work but also a little bit CBT, like in the sense of like, it's a little bit, I find it a little bit paternalistic. Um, and I trained in that. I ended up that was my training. That's why I did it for so long is because um, in Australia um, I'm, I'm not um, book-minded. I didn't finish school. I couldn't. I, I started a master's recently um, in family systems therapy, which is very experiential, so it works for my system. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just to say back then when I was training, the, the transactional analysis was very experiential, so I went down that path. Anyway, so I did four years. I did a year of psychoanalysis um, with a psychiatrist, which was an interesting ride, and I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it to anyone. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> 
Um, but my point is that the deep and lasting healing for me has only come through IFS and it's because we go to the 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 inner world where the the pain resides we're not you know even ta and even emotionally focused therapy you know we're doing with emotions but it's thinking it's thinking and feeling whereas this ifs takes us really into the core wounding like it's um it's like it takes you into where psychedelics take you that's why people can have a bad trip when you, when you go when you take a psychedelic and you have a bad trip, all it means is something in the unconscious world right. that was really ready to be known by your conscious mind came out, and your conscious mind is now flailing to to not know. Right. right. Which is why, yeah. yeah. No skills to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why I love IFS because what we do is we go to what doesn't want to be known in the unconscious mind, which is the exiles. All these little exiles with all this pain, right? All the rage, shame, confusion, fear, terror, all of that doesn't want to be known because it's too painful. But first of all, we work with the protectors who are the mm-hmm. conscious mind essentially going, I don't want to know, I don't want to know, I'm scared as hell. I've kept this down for a really good reason. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and so it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's yes. Yeah. So um, I don't know whether I answered your question about the other things. That's what came up for me was about feeling over thinking is the road to healing. And I want to say one final thing about that. My therapist is Michelle Glass, who is a leader in the IFS community, and um, I talk about her a lot. Which I, I, I kind of let me tell you about. Shouldn't ah, I have parts who um, feel like. I really want to talk about her and I, I love talking about her because I think she's quite exceptional and I also have should parts who are kind of like, I think that like the social norms tell me I'm not really supposed to do that, that that's kind of a weird thing. And um, so so it's always a bit of a rub for me. I'm here talking about it and kind of also feeling like um, most yeah. people are not doing that. So should I really? But anyway, she, um, she's got really train wreck childhood like me and um we talk sometimes about her healing path and um where she is now and I still you know I my parts can still get really big and take me offline and and I still am working every day with my parts but she's kind of like to the next level is what I oh, wow. you know I, I kind of have parts who joke she's leveled up you know she's done yeah, all yeah. of her work you know and um so that's my goal is to get to that place where she would say that, you know, like self is default in her system. She hears from the past, yeah. but they trust her leadership. And um, so for me, I really feel like to have someone who's been through such extreme trauma come to that place. Everyone I've met who've, who've done therapy, who've got really big trauma, just cope better. Mm-hmm. They cope sure. better yeah. with their trauma. Yeah. They don't drink. <laughs> they exercise a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So it's almost like that's the extra layer for me is when you were saying um, when we do this work, we get it's the, it's the thing that's going to help resolve many of the issues of our current society. That's how I perceive it is that we actually get to um, heal so deeply that um, 
if all of us were doing that, I mean, it's like an, an awakening. It's like a personal awakening and then it becomes like a, a social awakening, you know, to something different sure. where we move away from patriarchy, where we move away from scientific thinking um, and we move to community. But let's get back to community and connection. Yeah. A million percent. I mean, it's funny because it, that's... The- this is a silly thing to say, but that's what keeps me from slipping down into the dystopian, you know, um, um, cesspool, right? Is this, I, this hope that, that we can, I used, I used to be really, I still am. So I I came into IFS, I guess, through the Toltec, um, thinking, are you familiar with the Toltecs? So they are, um, uh, an ancient, they're not really, they're, they're called men and women of knowledge and they're associated with Mexico. Uh, but before the Mayans, before the Incas, like, and and they were, they, I don't even know how to describe it. So Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements, are you familiar oh, yeah. with that book? Yeah. So he is of a Toltec lineage. If you dig into his other work and the work of his sons, a lot of this has come out. And 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 they're basically talking about I, very IFS-like stuff thousands mm-hmm. of years ago. So somewhere in my mind, and I've always been blown away just by because I'm an evolutionary biologist, right? I think in terms of hundreds of thousands of years for fun, just because <laughs> we'll never know. So I can think whatever I want. It's wide open. And I always think, what were the indigenous cultures like? Once they had enough food and, and you know, they figured out the nomadic lifestyle and they had this deep, you just said, you know, connection to each other and to community and to small villages and to the earth and the universe. And what did they do about their emotions and their, and their psychology? How surely they, you know, dealt with those things. And so if you look at what the Toltecs did, you know, it's like early, early rules of how to relate to yourself. And so I think it's really fun to think we've ridden this technological wave and many of us are going, oh, wait, (laughs) I'd rather be back where we were. (laughs) So it's almost like, you know, completing the loop or something and, 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 and re-familiarizing ourselves with things that we already know. Um, and somewhere in there, I think there's a metaphor for ecology um, because it is all about connectivity and psychology. And, and I did this, I actually looked and there's been two books written and one isn't even worth mentioning. And the other one's so thick, I haven't dissected it yet, but where people did an analysis of the ecology of self is one of the books and ecology of mind is the other book. So really interesting to see one that nobody's really done that, <laughs> that work except for this one person Yeah. for what that's worth. I don't know if that stimulated any other thoughts. <laughs> all of my parts are all my good parts are showing up. Well, all my parts, not good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, that hasn't really brought much up for me. I think that um, that's just probably, you know, like um, I'm so grounded in the, um, I don't know how to explain it. My mind doesn't go to that big, big expansive space. My mind stays very much, um, you know, like I have friends who are kind of like really um, environmental activists and and that, you know, is important to me. I don't want to minimise that, but... um, the way that I manage the bigness of those kinds of things is really about being here. I feel like I can make a difference with one person who's here in front of me. That's why I'm a therapist, you know. Um, and so as you're speaking, my parts kind of got a little bit bobbled, like, 
I'm not sure I even know how to go where you go. Well, don't. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you don't. I can't help it. And so, but I think, I think the interface at which the changes occur are just what you said. It's uh, up to us. And you used to say, like in America anyway, uh, until about six years ago, we said, you vote. That's how you voice your opinion and or, or be or whatever, express yourself in the world. And, and I think it's this way. I think it's, no, your job is to get in touch with all of your parts and yeah. you know, sort of in, integrate them and then put that out into the world. And, you know, that's your job. And, and how are you going to learn to do that? You're going to be curious and then meet someone like you. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate it. I just wish I had enough years to see you know the end of it right the 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 but but again the dystopian thing is easy to do i am seeing it like when i meet people like you i'm seeing again it's not misguided uh, utopian hope it's real things i mean it's real um i'm sure they felt like this in the 60s too but it just seems like there's a a, a quiet movement you know so i was a stay at home dad i quit my i quit my job but I'm listening to your story and I'm kind of relating and because uh, I wanted to be with my kids, I wanted to give them a family life that I didn't have. And I don't have any obvious things in my past that people would feel sorry for me for. What I suffered from was just emotional neglect. I mean, I just, my parents were there, and but they weren't there, which made me super confused. And so all of my parts rallied to sort of say, you need to deal with the fact that you don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so we're going to figure that out for you. Um, uh, and, and so I didn't want that. And I just, I just figured what better way i so I was a stay at home dad for a long time and had that connection. Um, but it ignored everything else. Like when you said you didn't do therapy during that period, mm-hmm. uh, I can relate. You can't really do much of anything, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be, I didn't homeschool them. So they, when they got to public school, um, and then I got a divorce, which, which is interesting and I haven't fully explored yet, but I, you know, it's like, how did that create a new trauma at, at 40, you know, and then started my journey with, um, therapy because there was a real need for it at that time. So, so I could continue to be present. But a lot of the things you said about the patriarchy and this, you know, I, I have four daughters. I've always been, I've never been the breadwinner in my family. And so I have a lot of, I don't know. Um, non-traditional male experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's good. <laughs> I think all males ought to be do that because, <laughs> you know, I don't feel like I'm emasculated or like, I don't know what, what, what would the downside be. So I guess I'm one piece of evidence that suggests, you know, uh, being vulnerable, like Brene Brown says, is actually not a terrible thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm remarried to a woman now that appreciates that and gets it and, and, and allows me to sort of explode that into the world um, for what that's worth. But so, so that a lot of that, I guess I'm trying to find some way back to the R versus should, cause I'm sure you have other examples of that because like that, that's, a, I guess that's an example. So I, I took on an alternative gender role. So I'm constantly being bombarded with, no, you should make money. You should be wealthy. You should be powerful. You should, you know, have affairs or, or, or whatever as a man and all of these things you're doing. And, um, so yeah. 
do, yeah. what else did it make you think about for you, for you or for the, your, your clients that you see uh, with respect to that struggle of not being your R and letting the shoulds win, or, or maybe you should let the shoulds win. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I think about R's and shoulds, I think of two things. One, I love that you're bringing in the gender piece because that is, you know, that is a big piece for all of us. There are social pieces, there are gender pieces, and there are just trauma pieces, you know. Yeah. And um, so, you know, the first should that, um, well, let me slow down a second and see. Um, definitely I had, I have a should, um, my husband was the breadwinner for a lot of years because I stayed home with the kids. And then mm-hmm. he was in a corporate role that he never really loved, but he chose it because he wanted to make enough money so that we could afford to live. You know, we, we didn't have much money. <laughs> we were, you know, you do without, you do without a lot when you have one income and everyone else in the world has got two incomes, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were pretty, things were pretty tight for a lot of years. And then, um, and then really I got to a place where I, I felt I should be the breadwinner. I should give him the chance to change his Take. career out of a well-paid job. I should get as much. But I never had a career. So how was I supposed to find a job that was, you know, so I went and did, you're not going to believe this, uh, straight out of homeschooling, went and became a mortgage broker because I thought I'm good <laughs> with numbers and, um, and, and and that pays well. Like it was the worst. I used to have panic attacks every day. That's a huge, that's a giant should. I mean, that's like capital. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks like for sharing the, that. Yeah, the last thing that is the R in me, you know, like the who right. I am was not a mortgage broker. It was horrible. The opposite. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had a, I had a nervous breakdown. Actually, that experience led me to a breakdown, which led me into mental health oh. work. So, yeah, it really cool. Took- I mean, that's that's yeah, exciting. I know. So, so you've just <laughs> described a way that a should can, you know, be helpful. Yeah, right? like if you if you if you, you know, if it it's almost like if it beats you up hard enough or something, it's gonna it's gonna make you or push you into a state of change. Which I'm sure there's. A lot of other examples like that. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did that last? <laughs> Breakdown or the no, the being a mortgage broker. <laughs> oh my gosh, only a year. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So so it was a year, and then I got out of that. But what I was going to say is there are other things that, that I are and should still. So you know, some of my are and shoulds are things you've heard me say already, which is you know that I. Um, I should talk less um, when I actually know that I talk a lot. But, you know, that's I want to just bring in the parts here, right? So I have a part who protects me by saying, if you talk too much, you're going to get rejected over and over. And so you should talk less. It's very hard for that part to believe that my talkiness could be valued by people. And um, and so that's part of my healing then, right, is to to kind of allow um slowly to remind my parts you know this this work there's the the actual like 
deep inner unburdening of places where that weaning has happened. And then there's the everyday when the little when the part goes, Ooh, I just felt I look Chris looked at me away like, you know, like I, I shouldn't be talking so much, for instance. Not that I'm saying that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I I understand totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so that goes on. And then I have to just really slow down enough to tell my parts like yeah, and I also know we have a really like a hair trigger for looking for that in people. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And even if Chris was thinking I was talking too much, um, maybe I'm okay with talking too much or maybe it is a good like, oh, yeah, let's take a break from talking and, and listen for a minute because it's a good awareness to notice without the shame, without the shooting, right, oh, maybe I am talking too much and I'm going to pause for a second. Yeah. It is, so that, it, is, it is interesting that should and shame, you know, sound a lot alike. <laughs> and just for the record, I don't think you talk too much at all. I mean, you're supposed to be. I, I feel I have the same problem because I can. I mean, that's kind of why I did the podcast. You know, I, I can just talk. <laughs> it's like journaling with your voice. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, me, and so, let me tell yeah, you a can I tell you some more ours and shoulds in my system? Please, please. So, um, uh, what are some other ones? Um, as I've gotten older, I've definitely got the whole, you know, should look a certain way, which is really difficult because it's not something that I value. You know, like my feminist parts are like, no, you know, like it doesn't, you know, we're women <laughs> and we shouldn't have to counter this, you know, like social pressure to look a certain way. But, um I definitely have that goes on for me, a constant polarization between parts who say, I shouldn't care what I look like, and parts who are like, you should be able to look that, you know, thin or whatever the thing is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Other ones that I have are, um, you know, just really very unique to me maybe even. Um, I I have parts who are a little... um, Definitely I am. I have parts who are still pretty insecure, but then I think I have parts who compensate for that for sort of with some arrogance. But also there's some honest in there. You know, one of the things, I'm in a a psychotherapy group at the moment, um, and what I'm learning is one of the things you do in a psychotherapy group is you just constantly poke each other in the most wounding and wounded places, you know. Without even meaning to, you know, the, the idea of being in group therapy, <laughs> the idea of being in group therapy is that you're there speaking for your parts. And so you're literally going, you know, like I'll give you an example. You know, I might, there might be someone in there who um, her way of relating pokes something winning in me. So then I want to maybe respond with, oh, can you, can you, sp-? so I'll tell you, my, one of my things in my system is, um, if someone's really being messy and telling me all about their internal world, I feel really safe. But if they're kind of telling me in a way that's kind of like um, not really disclosing what's fully going on because they're a little embarrassed, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, well, this isn't fair. I'm showing up with all my mess yeah. and where are you? And, like, yeah. and so then I can be a little <laughs> bit demanding. I can be a little bit like, well, you know, I, this is like the, the seesaw of the um, the scales of vulnerability unfair here and I want you to, you know, tell me where you are so I can get a little like, where did you just go? I don't know where you went and I feel insecure and I, and um, 
And that person goes, you're judging me now. And it's like, whoa, no, I wasn't trying to judge you. I'm just scared because I didn't know where you went. And <laughs> you're doing this all the time in that space. And that, the sounds, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah well, if you're, if you're interested, there's more. I've, I've got, I'm, a, I'm a, like a networker. So yeah. I tend to I'm like connect with all these people and then um, just create stuff, just constantly create stuff. Um, and so these two groups, I'm in two psychotherapy groups that I created and I just grabbed people and said, do you want to yeah. like yeah. each other in our worst places together and try and love each other through it and, <laughs> and you know, like somehow make our relationship survive regardless, you know? Um so, yeah, so if you're interested, there's probably another one coming up. So. Absolutely. Well, okay. I, don't, I don't want to stop that, that, that you're on a roll. That was awesome. Yeah. But, okay. But, but it reminds me of something that my a coach says. He said he and his friends who were in this world, um, when something bad happens to them, they'll come to the, the group or what they're hanging out and just sort of say, yeah, I just found out that my mom is sick. And they'll all kind of be like, sweet, because it gives them an opportunity to deal with they're like okay a bunch of stuff's going to come up we're going to let's put it out let's yeah. let's go <laughs> you know and i and i feel that and now of course i haven't i don't know how bad it can feel i'm just sort of sort of getting a glimpse at the exiles and sort of some of that pain so maybe i don't know what i'm asking for but i've heard that sentiment <laughs> they seem sounds like you would be the perfect person that's who you want to to poke you you know to sort of Drive you into into it reminds me of another story one of my colleagues uh was he was a professor and he was he was very um prof he, he published a lot of papers he was a, ma a massive researcher grant generator i mean he was an ideal you know university professor and he and he had to, uh, one of two effects on students they would ask him to be their advisor or whatever. And they would either come out of his, their office crying, <laughs> bawling and, and then run away and never come back or sort of come out feeling incredibly beat up. But he had this knack for sort of immediately figuring out what you're, you know, looking back on it now, sort of what your vulnerability was and saying, we're going to take this and we're going to turn it into something good, but not everybody could handle it. <laughs> you know. really, yeah it takes courage it's and what I love about the group space is that people get to also tell you to you know if I'm like I want you to be more vulnerable because I'm being vulnerable they also get to say no fuck off yeah right so, you know they get to say this is where my system's at and for me that's that's the beautiful piece is that we get to be authentic in relationships so I get to speak for what happens in me when I want someone to be closer and they're like no my way of coping and, and my dealing with my um parts and and uh, trusting the relationship is to go slower than you Stephanie you know and then how does that feel for me and how does it feel for that person to not only um maybe feel judged by me but also then to stand up for themselves right so I was anyway. gonna say I, I, I mean it's I, it's weird kind of because it reeks of me like I can identify with that so much I don't know how universal that is but the idea that I would much rather be vulnerable than face conflict, right? But in this case, you sort of have to be assertive and responsive. And which reminds me, the one thing I wanted, this is the like 18-year-old kid's uh, naive dream, which I still have, was this idea of a discourse, of a public discourse that, and, and, and then I sort of thought it would be talking about big things like 
I don't know how big the universe is or whatever, <laughs> but really ultimately what you just described is that exact thing. It's like a, it's like an emotional discourse that also has the secondary benefit of probably accelerating this process like mad, right? It does. It takes, you know, like this week in the group, um, I brought something deeply vulnerable and my parts felt that it wasn't matched. It, that's one of my core wounding's that I wasn't matched as a child emotionally. And so one of the people in the group said, wow, 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 and said some really beautiful things that made me feel like she really understood me. But everyone else kind of um, moved on, and I just felt like everyone kind of went, eh, no big deal, you're dealing with probably your core wounding, Stephanie. We don't really give a shit, which, of course, isn't true. It isn't true. You know, my friends might listen to this podcast. <laughs> it isn't true, but that's how it landed. But beautiful thing for me is I get to go with my wounded parts. I get to go, where does that come from? Oh, this feels like my mom who didn't match me. And when I wasn't matched as a child, it was dangerous because, you know, there was violence over here, not with my mom, with other people. Yeah. And she was the only person who had any potential to keep me safe. And if she didn't see me, there was like all kinds of layers of difficulty, not only the the, the violence, but the, the just the, um, like you said, the neglect stuff is like a head fuck. I hope it's okay. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. To yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, yeah. this is all for me, really. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's fascinating. And it's, and it, for me, it sounds, it's the, well, again, I'm not trying to make this about me, but that, that I, that, uh, yeah, I would take you up on that. I'd love to take part in something like that because it's terrifying, <laughs> but at the same time, let's idea of matching. I'm not, I think I know what you're talking about, but I've never heard it. So, I mean, you would sort of learn stuff like that um, because I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I think that's really I go back to work. Like I was on a roll. I wanted to finish that little thought. Yeah. And we were talking about should and are. So I have parts of me in these group spaces who really feels like um, I can still be quite messy, you know, and that I shouldn't be so messy, especially for two reasons I shouldn't be messy. One of those reasons is that um, I'm a therapist and I've talked a lot of work on myself. I've done over 400 set hours, you know, 400, yeah, four, over 400 hours of, of IFS therapy. So, um, you know, it's a long time and it's a lot of work and um, I should be more self-led by now. So that's those parts of me. Um, so, and also, um, so it's kind of like in these group spaces I should and then when I turn up like I did this week to my group and I'm like, oh, I've just come out of, um, one thing I will tell you that just feels important to be honest with and to really, because it's a passion of mine, um, as a client, I, I really let myself, um, my parts have gotten very um, uh, involved in what we call in the therapeutic world transference. So because my mom was um, probably the person who wounded me the most, um, I've all my years of therapy, I've never let, never let a therapist be close to me. I've never really probably let mm. anyone be close to me, despite having a very loving, connected, close relationship with a husband and lots of friends. That sure. um, It's like there's a point at which my parts go like, oh, I don't really care. If my husband died, I, I would be fine. Right. You know, that's just like concession, yeah. you know, like because that's how they've coped. 
because my mum left so many times they've had to like uh, shield themselves so so what happened was with my therapist is over time I have um not wanted to let her in and I finally my parts have been letting her in letting her care in and it's just been terrifying absolutely terrifying and but what's amazing to me is because that's happened then every time she goes away I'm a little girl I am like this tiny little girl whose mum left my mum left multiple times um for various reasons and you know like left me with my violent dad and another caregiver who had actually tried to end my life when I was three so like pretty significant scary stuff if she leaves and so anyway so every time my therapist goes away I get triggered into my stuff right but what has been beautiful is that my therapist has just gone let's use the transference it actually leads you to your wounding Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so one session this is what happened this week one session I just had a young part of me who was going I want to come with you you know she's going away with her husband I'm coming you know like I'm coming you you know which of course I'm not (laughs) but this young part was going I'm coming and then I have all the parts who are going I'm not coming with you I don't even care about you you know like these protectors and then the other piece was this this very I have this very um I call her pushback she's this very um uh sort of like I won't let anyone in and I'm not going to let anyone care about me and I don't care about anyone and um but she's a fierce, she's a really fierce protector, and she was just saying, Michelle, I fucking hate you for letting me, um, uh, for letting, for making me let you in. So she, we had the oh, session. Yeah, yeah. My therapist, you made me love you, and you let me know you let me let in your love, and I fucking hate you because now you're gonna fucking leave. She's only going away for a week, but my point is right that this really this little piece with Michelle has taken me to a memory that I didn't even know. Like I knew, I knew the memory, but I had no feelings about it. Right. Which, yeah. My mom had gone went away when I was four and she'd taken my baby sister who was two. And so the transference has allowed me to go to this wounding. And I turned up to my group and shared this like, Oh my God, I've just, you know, like this. <laughs> and they, this and they, and they just and, wanted and then, to move on. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, my, where I'm going is that this whole piece allowed me to see two things. One is I have parts who straight after that were like, I'm too messy. I'm too willing to be vulnerable and, and honest about my mess. People can't manage it. They want to move on. So shame, self-shaming. So should, should, should. And then um, I also had um, some sense of knowing, oh, actually, I love this about my parts. I love right. that they they have so much courage, you know, to go to these places. <laughs> and and I actually love who I am and, and how I am and that my system is, um, I, I think I turned up to the session partly wanting to share, can you see my pain, but also some pride about, look at me, I'm doing the work and I want some, yeah. like, and anyway so then I had some part who I was talking to the group leader afterwards who is a really beautiful friend of mine and he was saying you know like you're you have such fierceness in your system and um and I realized and this is where I have a little bit of an arrogant part Mm -hmm. who says that you know in the honest of me I'm pretty grounded so this, (laughs) this this arrogant part of me kind of says like 
don't be ashamed. Don't do your should yeah. stuff. You're yes. actually, you know, like you're pretty grounded. You want to, do you get messy? Yes, you get messy, but it's not because you somehow lose control. It's a choice. It's because I want to go to those places to heal them. And so I can just really settle into my groundedness. And, um, but we're not supposed to say that out loud, Chris. You mean in the you session know, or to yourself? That's what I feel. No, I'm not supposed to oh, say that yeah. anywhere that I'm grounded, that, that I go to messy places in order to actually be more grounded. And that I, can, <laughs> you know. I think it's fantastic. I think that's beautiful. And I think as you were saying that it almost, I could see that our parts are, you know, sort of like this are this dichotomy, right? The are versus should, they don't exist without the other, but they're critical to the other's existence. And so of course, you have this arrogance about, and also this shame about the same characteristic, but all that almost points at the fact that it is you, right? It almost clarifies the, the, the part that is R and it's critical that you have, that you are proud of that, right? Of course you would be. (laughs) And this reminds me, somebody asked me one time, well, do you, a therapist, you know, do you love yourself? And I was like, well, yeah, In, in my world, in, in myself, I am, you know, the best thing that's ever happened. And I can I tell you, speak for hours about why. But then when I open it up to the rest of the world, I don't feel that. So what are you asking me? <laughs> Do I love myself? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's so fascinating. I just want to reflect what comes up for me when you say that is like, not being matched and if you were neglected I have to do some training on working with emotional neglect because I think um there is a podcast with um I can't remember the woman's name I know one of them who's a lady I did some training with um whose name is Anne Sherry um but the podcast is um latchkey urchins and friends it's very small um you know it's like but it's about emotional neglect and they're not being matched and so that makes sense to me that it's like in your own self you have a sense of like yeah I'm, i'm i'm good with who i am but then when i go out there i get insecure oh yeah i don't understand maybe i'm Okay, I want to I want to pause a second and I want to finish what I was going to say and yeah. reflect what I just heard as well, right? Because what you just said is crucial. When when you go out there, you're not matched, is what I was going to say. But then you said, "I don't know anything." I think that's what you said, right? I don't understand anything. Same, similar. Let me tell you, that is the the hallmark of someone with no emotional neglect. Huh. Well, that's yeah. good to know. I mean, it's self-diagnosed. But <laughs> that's really the, you know, like there is a sense of like, I don't know. I don't know the where, I don't understand the rules of the world. I don't know where I stand in it. This kind of seems to be these contradictory things that I can't make any sense of. Um, and it's because we didn't have anyone when we were little helping us navigate that and make meaning of it. We just had these very strange contradictory experiences Things that, like you said, your parents kind of told you they loved you and then they went around and how do you make sense of that? And, <laughs> and then you're left because you, there's no one around to guide you. You're left to make sense of not yeah. only very, but everything on your own. Right. Yeah. And, and this is my, you know, my coach is pretty good about recognizing these things. And that's the beauty of IFS for me is I had these experiences as a kid. And then, you know, and he would explain to me while I'm in that completely self 
place and that this is what's going on, man. Now you understand this and now you can do something about it. So it's a a beautiful bottle. I mean, it's just, it's great. But thank you for sort of um, validating uh, that. But yeah, I think I must be onto something with the idea of matching. I guess maybe that's where that comes from or is overlap with that. Uh, That's exciting. And it's funny, I have that same sort of feeling I don't know if you get this, but I have a very uh, specific sort of somatic feeling when I'm more in self and it's just completely relaxed and floaty and sort of, you know. Nice. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. But but it's, I, it's also neat to know that you still struggle because uh, that's another thing I learned from Neil is I don't know what I, what expectations I had, but the traditional model is that you're bad or you're you're broken and then you're fixed <laughs> and then you're healed. And so there's so much shame. You said this earlier associated with doing 10 years of therapy and sort of having the same issues. And there's a lot of people out there who will come up and say, Oh, you're stuck. I can get you unstuck. I can get you unstuck. I'll get, I've got all the tricks. Here's but you know, for 1099, I can show you how to get unstuck, but IFS is the only thing that's ever helped for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and I think that my understanding is that um, the more work we do with our parts, the more um, and the more we stay in relationship because it's not just about being in the therapy room for an hour a week for however many years. Right, right. It's about relationship outside of the therapy room. So every time, you know, my parts... Um, you know, so I have a daily practice with my parts that's, you know, quite, um, you know, uh, deliberate is the word I want to find for that. Um, and then I have just all day, every day listening to them and being <laughs> responsive. <laughs> well, I haven't discovered the deliberate part yet, but I, I, I did struggle for a long time to say, and I would just find myself saying, something's changed and I don't know what it is. I, I don't understand it. I can't sit down and tell you. I can't go back and say, this is the cause. You know, I'm looking for this again, this analytical. I'm looking for this construct that I understand in terms of science. And then uh, and then one day I just sort of said, why? It, was, it wasn't during a session, but it was very much the kind of work. And I just sort of said, why don't you just try to let go of this need to explain it? <laughs> And that's what's sort of begun this journey of unscience, whatever it is. And I wonder sometimes if the philosophers, if this, if that's what metaphysics was, you know, sort of this, because if, as I, as I have these, what I think are novel ideas, I learned that much wiser minds thousands of years ago were pretty much arguing the same stuff. <laughs> you know, it's a very human. These are very, yeah. human. So they're, they're universal. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't want to take too much of your time. We've already gone past an hour, but I, I feel like uh, I could talk to you for hours about any of this stuff and that I would almost have to force myself into more a less uh, freeform mode to really focus on some of the issues. But it's been really fun to sort of just let ourselves go whatever yeah. direction we want it to go. And I can already picture... Uh, several incredibly valuable moments of you talking (laughs) that I think people are going to get a lot out of. Great. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And I I really will, you know, if there is any way into these sessions, uh, I'm 
or just learn more about it. I don't know. So the last thing I would ask you to do is anything you can share with listeners as far as how to contact you, or if you're taking clients, or if you've got materials that would help them uh, on a website or something. And of course, I'll put all that in the blog post too, but anything you want to say about those types of things would be great. Okay. Um, So let me just tell you, my website is um, ifsconnections.com.au. Um, and so people can go on there. They can also email me at um, admin at ifsconnections.com.au. So um, those are the two kind of places they can contact me. I'm I'm not taking new clients right at the moment, but I do supervise this team of staff who all have, you know, like they work similar to me because I supervise their work. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's what you yeah. mean by staff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But other therapists who all use um, are only using IFS and all have done over 100 hours of their work, at least so far. I may be taking on some new staff that are still working towards that 100, 100 hours, you know, unlike you need to be doing your work. And I just luckily happen to have had people who've come to me who've had a minimum 100 hours, so that's kind of been my benchmark. Oh, yeah. But I am, I am taking people who've got like 50 and working towards that. Um, so um, anyway, so yeah, I have staff who I supervise and um, what else? Um, as far what as groups go, oh, so I want to just tell you uh, uh, groups, um, the, the, the next thing that I have coming up is if anyone's interested in um some ongoing groups um, for people who, but you have to you have to have done IFS to be in this particular um, group. Um, it's um, IFS and the Enneagram, and that's only the reason I'm doing that is because I recently found out about the Enneagram, and it has really helped deshame some things in my system to know that wow. I'm so I'm a three, but I have a propensity for four, and under stress I go to six, which is one of the things that you talk about in the Enneagram. You understand each type and you know where you go. So it was very helpful for me to realise some of my shame that I carry about certain things um, was just a need that fours have. And while I'm not a four, I have I probably have parts who are four. Yeah, and, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> never thought about that wow that's crazy um so the enneagram ifs it's a it's a um uh, two half day workshops coming up in february so you do the the little enneagram workshop first and then there'll be monthly ongoing groups after that where what we do is we come in and we share together so it's not group psychotherapy um but we share together um um what arises in us as we hear other people from our type and from other types. So that for me, I'm really curious to see how it's going to work out. Um, I haven't done this kind of group before, but I'm hoping to organise multiple. When, when I get an idea in my head, I don't just organise one group, I organise multiple. <laughs> because, That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. It's, it's, like, like, it's too, we've got to keep going, you know. That's right. If, yeah, if it yeah. works, work it. I mean, you know, it's like... Uh, yeah. So that's the next thing. But, you know, there may be scope, Chris, um, for, you know, the person that I know who runs the psychotherapy groups that I'm in, um, David Stern, he's just 
an incredible human being and he may I think he's pretty stacked but he may have scope for another group so I can ask him if folks are interested we could form our own it's there's small groups though but um well, so it depends cool. how many people are interested but um, yeah. well okay I'll keep in touch sort of off offline about that I would yeah. love to um, okay yeah and it's just been such a pleasure I, I I hope that you don't mind me bugging you because it's nice to have know somebody that or maybe your group um I'm just, you know, like I call myself, my business called IFS Connections because I'm a sheer extrovert. I love connection. It's awesome. not a burden for me for, to keep in touch. I've loved being in this conversation. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad that you guys with the audience because it's sort of blowing my mind. It's almost like when you meet a Star Wars character or something when you're a kid and you're just sort of like, they get me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or they're like me, you know what I mean? But, but it's like, I tell my buddy, Paul, you've gone up, uh, you've climbed the mountain and come back down to share your wisdom. And I'm sort of still climbing up the mountain, but I see you on the way down, you know, I don't know if that resonates yeah. with you, but I, I say that yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's been fantastic for me. And um, yeah, I'll make sure that, well, I hope there's other people out there that this reaches. Yeah. And just finally, you know, if anyone's interested in the trainings I offer, I offer various things. Um, I've got this little Enneagram thing. So I, I organized, I organized training for uh, other trainers come in and teach okay. um, on topics that interest me usually. So Dick Schwartz, the founder of the model is actually doing a workshop for me in March on IFS as a spiritual practice. Oh, and a spiritual awesome. practice. Yeah, um, but also then I, I, there's the little ones that I teach, which um, which I teach very much in the way that I talk here in the sense of um, it's a lot about mutual vulnerability in the space. It's held like a group process group, so we're not just learning but we're experiencing IFS. You know, I think the best way to learn IFS is to be in the space speaking for our parts, um, and so I model that. Um, cool. So just to be, I, I'm having a little confusion and just in case anybody else is too. So you see one-on-one -on -one patients like traditional and you have a team of staff that does that too. What is different about what you're talking about here, a group session or like a. So I do, I teach. So I do a whole bunch of trainings. So like um, online classes sort of thing. Yeah, online you, classes. Oh, okay. online so, so people <laughs> can come and on your website, you'll have these classes available. Link is sort of, and you don't have to have any sort of background um in anything the, <laughs> i mean like just like credentials or anything oh no no and yeah no there's plenty of people who come and do the training just because they're interested i had a guy okay. came to my ifs and psychosis training not a therapist doesn't even have most people who come to that either a therapist working with that population mm. or they have a loved one i, I have a lot of carers who come so like i, I had a sister and two mums in my last ifs wow. psychosis training um and i keep those groups super small so that it's like yeah. intimate because yeah. people are bringing their stuff you know it's really painful when you're in a relationship whether you're a clinician or a loved one th these are really painful experiences that people go through and so that that needs to be held tenderly so um so um but i had a guy come who just was curious it was so because <laughs> he brought such yeah, a that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I can relate to that. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. Cause I always wondered if a lot of these things are only really available because I know, like you were saying, there's 15,000 people waiting to get this level one training. So it is, is all, are, are all the other educational tools also like that, you know, so it's good to know. Yeah.
And I can't wait personally to go into your website and see what else that you do, <laughs> what else that you have to offer. <laughs> now, now I can sort of open the doors on getting to know you that way. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, this has just been fantastic for me. And um, I hope that what you say resonates with people in the world and that you're changing them and that that helps us evolve and continue. Yeah. Thank you so much for what you're doing, Chris. This has been a joy as well for me. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for your time. And I'll be in touch and hopefully who knows, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have some new fans. Right. <laughs> have a great day and I'm going to go have dinner <laughs> with my family. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. And, it's and I know here in the morning, so I'm going to, it's sunny and I'm going to, um, we're going to the Botanic Gardens today. Oh, fantastic. Well, it's strangely uh, warm and not winter here, uh, which is a little disturbing, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephanie. Right, I'll talk take... to you soon. Yeah. And I'll let you know when all this comes out and everything. Oh, good. All right. Thanks. Thank you. See See you. Bye.